back in, Neil Haven. Just saying a day late. I'm Tom Becker. And a dollar short, I'm McGraw Millet. <laughs> Normally, one of us is really busy, and the other one can accommodate that. Uh, this week, you were really busy, I was really busy. We couldn't get a time together, so now we're doing it now. So, better late than never. We got the podcast uh, out there in the cyberspace. Yeah, we were supposed to have Sean Callahan on. I feel bad. I did everything I could to get him on the show, and he was scheduled to come on, and then I canceled on him, so I apologize to him. Yeah, well, you know, hey, things happen, you know? We're both a couple of busy guys, got a lot of stuff on our plate, very, very busy. I mean, you're almost, you're almost, I mean, you're like a Donald Trump real estate mogul. Well, no, I'm not, because I'm ethical. So are, you giving a, are you giving appraisals that are somewhat in the ballpark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that house you're living in right now, uh, the tax tie is concerned, it's worth $25,000. You know, can I, can I actually defend Donald Trump on this? Uh, I'd like to hear you try. So, you know, it's not like Donald Trump was borrowing half a million dollars for his home or his rental home or his vacation home, right? This is high finance. And Deutsche Bank knew exactly what they were getting into. And if Deutsche Bank didn't want to double check Donald Trump's numbers, and Deutsche Bank was just so aloof that they thought that his 30,000 square foot house was really a 30,000 square foot. It's easy to check. And so I don't understand. It's Deutsche Bank's responsibility to check this stuff. And if they didn't do it, and apparently nobody lost any money doing it, I don't know what the big deal is. Well, Deutsche Bank did lose money on it because they wound up giving him a much lower um, interest rate than what they would have charged otherwise. So they did lose money on it in that regard. I mean, they didn't they didn't uh, lose any actual, I guess, cash that they, they, they laid out. But they did lose interest that um, they would have received otherwise. But there's, I mean, are you going to tell me that Deutsche Bank didn't know who, who they were getting in bed with? And at one point, there was one um, building where the, um, where the uh, uh, appraiser came back and gave it a $20 million evaluation. And he decided to say it was worth $70 million. And they took his over the uh, appraiser? I mean, that's on Deutsche Bank. That's not fraud. Uh you know what? I don't have all the information in front of me, so I, I know that's the uh, I know that is the defense that Donald Trump is using, and it sounds plausible. So, so on paper, on paper, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that. If that's as simple as it is, right. but I don't think that the finance on this is as simple as you or me buying a house. So therefore, I don't think it's I don't think it's the same sort of thing. I, I see what you're saying, and I see what Donald Trump is saying, and in layman's terms, it's rather plausible, but. This is so complex. I mean, look, uh, the bank counseled him. His, his own accountants quit, uh, uh, you know, quit the account. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I but think I mean, Deutsche Bank. I think Deutsche there's a lot Bank. more to it. I think there's a lot more to it than what you're you're describing. What Donald Trump is describing. Okay, you're right. You're, there's there's of course there's 300 pages of this indictment, and it's yeah. not a criminal case. It's a civil case. But Deutsche Bank knew in 2011. Oh. No other bank would would finance this guy. Deutsche Bank knew what they were getting. They knew he was full of it. They knew he was he was a self-grandizing 
um, you know, media hound. I mean, they, they you're not going to double check somebody who gives you r- ridiculous numbers. That's on Deutsche Bank. I, I don't, again, as simplistic as this is sounding right now, I don't necessarily disagree with you on this. I also don't think that's necessarily defending Donald Trump as much as it is, uh, you know, condemning uh, Deutsche Bank. But but I think, look, um, Cohen, his, his, his former attorney, you know, supplied a lot of this information. They went over with a fine-tooth comb. I, there's too much at stake here. There's got, there's got to be something there. I think, mind, I think of all of Donald Trump's legal problems, this is the most insignificant. And you know that you get one shot at the king. And if you shoot and miss, you're in trouble. And I think I, I have no reason to think this woman doesn't have him nine ways to Sunday. But, you know, overvaluating a property to get a bank loan the banks, I can't overstate the value of my car, right, to, to get a loan because they ask for 10,000 documents and they have an independent appraiser come. You're going to lend somebody $250 million and you don't do the simple basics? That's kind of on you, banker. That's well, uh, yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. If, if I mean, again, it's like you said, it's a 220-page indictment here. Um, it's you're you're making it overly simplistic, uh, and so is Donald Trump in his defense. I don't, and 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 in the overly simplistic way, I think you have a good argument. My guess is is that it's going to be a lot more complex once the uh, you know once once it goes to trial. And uh, as far as uh, the least of his problems, look, if this if this takes hold, it would stop him, his sons his daughter from doing business in New York, that that's a that's a fatal shot. Yeah, no, I know, but you're in real estate. Did you ever sit down with somebody to try and get their listing and they thought their house was worth more than it was? Yeah. What's the difference? Well, the difference is the house I'm uh, talking to them, they think it's worth $520,000 and I think it's worth, you know, 475, you know, and okay. so so we'll say, well, let's try 520 and see what we can do, okay? And if the appraiser doesn't appraise it at that, then we'll... All right, so you sat down no, with no, this but, guy. But, and... but, but, but you see, here's the thing, and, and by the way, by the way, I agree with what you said about there's one shot, uh, you know, at the king and everything, and, and that's so why I agree with what you're saying, and the man is innocent or proven guilty, so I agree with all of that, okay? And I agree that Deutsche Bank, I agree that Deutsche Bank has got, uh, you know, some culpability in all this. But I will also say, and I will say this to my dying day, is that uh, it's this is not as simple as you're trying to make it out to be. And so uh, there's a lot of other, a lot of other documents, a lot of other fraud evidently took place here. So yeah. Well, there there better be because there better be something that Donald Trump admitted to in which Deutsche Bank couldn't double check, right? There's got to be some. That's that's bank fraud. Bank fraud is when you tell the bank something and they have to take your word for it. And they, you know, you tell them how much you make. You have to show receipts. You you your down payment. You have to show it where it came from. Right. There's all these rules and and regulations. They have underwriters. Banks have underwriters. You're telling me that 
you know, an underwriter scrutinizes my half a million dollar loan, but doesn't really check on a $250 million loan. I mean, that just, I find it hard to believe. And yeah, everybody overvalues their property. He did it in a cartoonish way. I get it. It's bonkers, right? Nothing's ever sold. The most expensive place in Manhattan is $167 million. And he valued his apartment at $300 million seven years ago. It's cartoonish. But, you know, that's Donald Trump. And, and when, when, you say, when you say everybody overvalues their, uh, their house or their apartment or whatever, everybody uh, overvalues their property. Is that also true when it comes to paying the taxes on it? No. Okay. Then they, so then they undervalue it. Yeah. All right. And that's what was going on here. Well, right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When the county comes along and assesses the value of your home, doesn't everybody complain and say it isn't worth that much? And then when you're trying to sell it, everyone says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It is worth way much more than that. You, you know, look, look, what I love about this conversation is that we both are talking like we know what the fuck we're talking about. Have you read the 220-page indictment? Because I'll admit that I haven't. I don't have to. <laughs> you know, I don't have to. I, I saw the headlines on Twitter, man. I know. Yeah. I, I, wa I watched Sean Hannity interview Donald Trump last night. I don't need to read it. I, I saw the highlights on TikTok. I know what's going on. By, by the way, just to let people know I'm not a total fraud. How about when he told Sean Hannity that I can just think it and it can be declassified? <laughs> Funny, because I can just think it. And no, he was president. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what is he, the Swami? Well, I mean, what, he just thinks it and it happens? I mean, this this guy's Looney Tunes. Well, that 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 we can agree on. That we can agree on. And and what, what is pathetic and... Look, I want money. You want money, right? We all got. We all. We all like. We all like money, especially because I got a sixty-five hundred dollar plumbing bill coming up. Got roots that went into my sewer line. God. Oh, I, I thought you meant your prostate. <laughs> hey, that's not funny. What am I laughing at? That's not funny. Um, my, hey, my prostate, that's a, my prostate is actually very healthy. Thank you. Um, that sewer lateral is a real deal. Yeah. Um. Did, uh, does Omaha have some type of sewer lateral program? Oh, they can help pay for some of that? Um, no. no. So it's that it's that terracotta pipe going out to the sewer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they got to rip it. Is, it. is it under your house or is it from, from your no, house? No, the... it's, it's outside the house. It's, it's right there uh, in the, uh, right there in the land between the sidewalk and the street. Yeah. You know, that's, might have to might have to rip up the sidewalk a little bit, and you know, sixty five hundred. That's a good. That's actually a good price. I that's, had, what, that's that's the minimum right now. You know, so uh, let's see. You know, yeah. I had a rental property two years ago. I think they charged me eight thousand dollars for the sewer lateral under the house. Yeah, but that's all right. I I refinanced the uh, rental property because actually I valued it at four hundred and twenty five million dollars. Oh God! I hope the IRS is listening to this podcast and nails your ass. Uh, what are you eating? Um, chocolate covered almonds. Didn't they teach you in broadcasting class? Again, we've had this conversation before. You're not supposed to be eating while you're on, you know, on the microphone. I don't have a microphone. I'm just speaking into this laptop. 
Um, <laughs> can we talk about something for real? Like, if Aaron Judge hits 62 home runs, shouldn't he be the home run king? Well, he beat Roger Maris. Yeah. But he, did, he hasn't beat, uh, you know, uh, you know, Hank Aaron. He hasn't beat, you know, I mean, he's not. Well, a single, the single season home run king. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, those should be thrown out. Well, because of the um, uh, the uh, steroid use, the mm -hmm. lead steroid use. Yeah. Well, I mean, McGuire admitted to it. Yeah. Um, Sosa we've got busted for it, never admitted to it. And Bonds, I mean, that's the evidence is there. It's clear they all did it. Now, okay, so you you, you mentioned McGuire. You uh, you live in St. Louis, and McGuire at the time was a hero in St. Louis. Does he never have? Does he have any kind of St. Louis presence anymore? Does he, you know, ever come back to town? Do they ever have Mark McGuire Day at the stadium? Um, they, well, opening day or something. Yeah, opening. I mean, he's in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, uh -huh. and um, he's there opening day, and he gets a he gets a great applause. Um, you know, but I mean, the guy cheated. He admitted it. You know, I'm not telling him he. You know, it isn't like he should never be show his face again, but, you know, he cheated. And this Roger Maris record was sort of one of the great records of, of sports. And it's just sort of Aaron Judge, I don't think, is getting the attention he deserves for doing it in, in an era where everyone's tested. But I don't know that any baseball is getting the attention it deserves. I mean, you know, I think baseball's in trouble. And I'm a big oh, baseball God. fan. I'm a big baseball fan. But I mean, really, there's, you know, and I don't know anymore. I mean, everybody's so, so that's so divided and so splintered and the entertainment dollar as such. I don't know that anybody is, you know, that focused on, on the postseason. I mean, I am right now because it appears that uh, my Guardians are going to be playing October ball. So, uh, you know, and your Mets are going to be playing October ball, right? Well, but the problem is, and I, I agree with you, the problem is it's a four-hour game, and right after the game ends, they have two-and-a-half-minute highlights that you can get on your phone. So why do I want to watch a four-hour game when the minute it's over, I can watch two-and-a-half minutes of the highlights and check out the whole game? Well, because, well, it, and here's the thing. I, I don't, I mean, baseball on TV is nice, I'm I'm old school. Baseball on the radio is better. I know. And uh, and being at the game is the best. You know, I mean, uh, but um, no, you're right. It's, uh, you know, people. Are... Yeah, but nobody can go to a four-hour game. Nobody can go to 81 four-hour games. Especially it's so hot outside. I mean, it's just insane. My daughter, Emerson, yesterday, I'm in her room, and she goes, Daddy, go downstairs and watch baseball. <laughs> it was annoying her, right? I was annoying her. I was poking her and prodding her and teasing her. She's like, Daddy, go downstairs and watch baseball. Uh, I got to get out there and visit you and see Emerson. I haven't, I haven't seen her since she was, you know, shortly after she was born. She's, um, she's two years old. She is a panic. She's a yeah. scream. She's, yeah. I mean, she's a real little human being. Yeah, well, that's cool, yeah. man. That, yeah. Yeah. What else is going on? What's the uh, what's the buzz on Scott Frost? Anything? 
uh, you know, more and more rumors coming out about, you know, what he was doing and what he wasn't doing. And, uh, and, um, you know, there definitely seems to be at least an attempt at a change in culture there at, uh, in Lincoln. And how come, also, this stuff, how come this stuff didn't come out when he was coaching? If, if I mean, if it was that bad and he was so unorganized and, you know, missing meetings, that's, that's really kind of unfair because he's the head coach. He's got a, a thousand things he's got to deal with. Meetings start, meetings come. He recruits come and go, you know, he's got to call people and this and that. I mean, just because he's late to meetings doesn't mean he's not focusing on being a head coach. Well, he's not a prioritize. He's not a prioritize. And evidently he wasn't prioritizing. When the other assistant coaches are going to the athletic director and complaining about him, there's a problem. Yeah, but is that true? Do we know that to be true? Well, uh, yeah, well, that's that's what people are saying, okay? For the same reason you say, why didn't we know about Scott Frost? Because, you know, we don't know uh, what uh, uh, is, uh, you know. I mean, I find it hard to believe that the assistant coaches went to the athletic director and said, we've got a problem with this guy. I mean, if, if that was the case, why did, he, why did he bring him back for a year? Did they just start, you know? Okay. I don't know. I just, I just find it hard to believe. I think I, okay, so here's. Here is my Huster football um, theory that cannot be proven in a court of law. All right. I've got no inside information. So, you know, this, this is what you're paying for it. Okay. Things were a major mess last year. Scott Frost was a major mess last year. But Scott Frost was still highly respected by the uh, uh, by, the fans, and he was still that golden boy that took Nebraska to a national championship. And and the athletic director Trev Alberts is the guy that killed you know University of Nebraska at Omaha football. So therefore, Trev is not a little bit of a political thing. He's got to watch out for. He wants to give Scott Frost every possible opportunity to redeem himself. So they negotiate. They negotiate a lower pay, a lower buyout. And and they bring in people that are, you know, quality people that will be able to take over when and if Scott Frost doesn't redeem himself. I think this is all done by design. Um, you got, you got the, the coaches are, are going out and recruiting. They're not just waiting for, you know, whoever the new, if there's going to be a new head coach. You know, they're not, they're not taking the interim title seriously. They're out there, you know, working like they got the job. And uh, I, I think this is all by design. So They, they gave Scott Frost enough rope to hang himself, and he hung himself. All right. Here's my, here's my theory in which I have no inside knowledge. This is not my contrarian view, though Dresser thinks I'm a contrarian. Um. Oh, wait a minute. You were just defending Donald Trump and now you're defending <laughs> Scott Frost. So why would anybody think you're a contrarian? Okay. So here's my take on Scott Frost. Yes. <clears throat> he had a quarterback who was just good enough um, not to bench, but uh, to get another quarterback. Other quarterbacks didn't want to go because you know, 
he was a freshman. So I, I got to wait four years for this guy. You know, he's a sophomore. I got to wait three years for this guy. COVID year. He's now I'm back to four years. So why would a good quarterback want to come to Nebraska if he has to sit for three years behind the starter? So um, he was sort of married to, um, to Adrian Martinez. And last year, Scott Frost, much was made of them being the best three and nine team in the league. They should have beat Michigan State. He tells the punter to kick it out of bounds. And what does the punter do? Kicks it right to the guy, right? They were going to beat Michigan. Um, and then Martinez fumbles the ball. None of that is coaching. That's just bad luck, right? They had Ohio State on the ropes. There were a couple of the games that were just in their grasp and they lost it. Then they make him change all the coaches around, right? So he was really within two or three or four plays of winning six or seven games last year, would have had the whole thing turned around. When you keep the coach, but you make him change all of the offensive and defensive players and coaches and whatever else, that's just rearranging deck chairs. And so once you start making the guy change coaches, it's done. He lost his confidence. You lost your confidence in him. It was just a matter of time. If they just would have left him alone and you know let him do his thing this year, I think he would have had much better results. Except the fan base were didn't want to just leave him alone. No, not the okay. fan base. Six boosters who can write checks for $7 million got tired of him. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> That's the fan base. Although they they uh they have pretty much um, acknowledged that the sellout streak, which will never be never be challenged by any other school. Uh the the sellout streak. We'll probably come to an end this year, and I say good riddance. Oh, you know? really? Oh, yeah. Because I mean, the whole the whole thing is whole thing is uh, the sellout streak is still grasping on to the glory days. It's like Al Bundy, you know, trying to you know be, uh, sit on the couch and talk about when he was you know the star quarterback in high school, right? It's the same thing. It's like, hey, look at this. We got all these people that'll show up for a mediocre team. We got a sellout streak going. They did things. They did things work. They they widen the bleacher seat so there's fewer people in there. So hey, we still got that sellout streak going. You know they're they're doing buy one get one free tickets. Hey, we still got that sellout streak going. It's the most bogus thing in the world. Put a good product on the field, the sellout streak will take care of itself. Well, it didn't help that they expanded this the, the stadium three times in the last ten years or whatever it is. Um, well, I'll charge you more t- more for the tickets. Yeah, I I tell you what, I'm, I yeah I mean. It's it took 20 years, but the Tom Osborne era is officially over. And as you said, you know, there are people who are 21, 22 years old, 23 years old, who have no knowledge of Nebraska being a good football team. Yeah. So it's a whole new universe. And Tom Osborne's era is over and you got to start all over again. And you've got a great fan base and a lot of money, but. You don't have any tradition. You don't have any culture. You got to start all over again, and you got to build something. It doesn't have to be exactly what it was, but you got to start all, all over again and and build it up because whatever Tom Osborne did to build that into a juggernaut, that is long gone. Yeah, and 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 the ability to do that has changed so much. Now we've got the name, image, likeness, and we've got the transfer portal that can help us. But uh, yeah, but yeah, what what. What we had back during the Tom Osborne days, that that ain't there anymore. 
Well, I think the transfer porthole is a red herring. You know, everyone thinks, oh, there's all these great players in, in the transfer porthole. Porthole. Well, they're transferring because they're not playing where they're at. So very rarely will you get a Joe Burrow who ends up winning a national championship or winning a Heisman Trophy through the porthole. Much more, you're going to get a disgruntled player or somebody who's not good enough to play at the one school trying to find a spot in, at another school. You mean that Joe Burrow, wasn't he the player that Scott Frost said wasn't good enough to play at Nebraska because Burrow wanted to play at Nebraska? As you're, defending, as you're defending Scott Frost? <laughs> as you're defending Scott Frost, you bring up Joe Burrow? Don't be a contrarian. Um, <laughs> everybody makes a mistake. Everybody guesses wrong on a player. I get it, you know. But the world would have been different if Joe Burrow would have gone to a Nebraska. That's for sure. Yeah, well, anyway. So what else is going on, man? Oh, boy, what else is going on? You know, um, I, I'm just, I'm really torn. I'm really torn here, though. The Browns are playing the Steelers today. Uh, you know, and and I'm you mean tonight? Tonight, yeah, right now. And I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't root for the Steelers because even though I'm not on the Browns bandwagon anymore, uh, I've given up on my team that I've had all my life. Uh, even though I've given up on them, I still can't support the Steelers. So it's what channel? Just, what channel is on Prime? What channel is that? Yeah, on? Amazon. Yeah, it's Thursday night Amazon Prime. Oh, I never would have found that. Um. Is that shouldn't that that should be on like regular TV? Oh, I guess it's on only regular TV in the town. Yeah, the markets are in, yeah, yeah. Um, Cleveland is on regular TV. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I don't look, man. I I actually really feel for Browns fans. I don't know. I mean, look, and that's saying something as a Jet fan. Um, the Jets, your your Jets beat the Browns last week. The Browns blew it. The Browns blew it in the last minute and a half, like they always do. It was like they, they missed the extra point to go up 14 points with a minute 33 left, and they lost the game. I know. I know. To the Jets. You know it's bad when that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm, I'm on the Buffalo bandwagon this year. Yeah, I don't – I have no use for the Buffalo Bills. Why? Even Because, I don't know. I've never liked the Buffalo Bills, even though they're, they're the only team that plays in, in the state of New York. And they're also a Lake Erie team, very similar to Cleveland, been down all those years. So, you know, so I, I don't feel like my allegiance has gone too far if I'm rooting for Buffalo. Well, and uh, the, I think the Jets passed on that Josh Allen. Yeah. So, anyway. Was, was he? He played like in Wyoming, didn't he? Yeah, he was Wyoming. And um, you know who, who his coach was? Was uh, Craig Bowl. Craig Bowl, who used to be the North Dakota State coach, who I knew when I lived in Fargo. Oh yeah, he um yeah he's from Nebraska. Yeah, I used yeah. to I, actually I used to work with uh, Craig Bull's wife. Yeah, she was a smoke I, show. She was she was a who? A smoke show, very attractive. Oh, I don't know. I, that's kind of in. A, you shouldn't say that about somebody's wife. What that she was hot? Well, that's inappropriate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you like me to say, hey, uh, your girlfriend is a real dog? Is that is that is that better? <laughs> No, but you don't call some other guy's wife hot. That's inappropriate. No, okay. So, would you want your wife to be thought of as being just average or mediocre? Oh, look at McGraw. Look at McGraw. He married. He married a very bland woman. Is that is that what you want? Well, thanks for bringing up the fact that my fiance dumped me twice, so that I don't have a <laughs> wife. So, way, way to put your foot in your mouth there. 
I'm talking about I'm talking about a hypothetical situation here. Well, but that was a real situation where she broke my heart by, twice. By the way, by the way, okay. your fiance was hot. <laughs> she was a real smoke show. No, <laughs> feel free to say anything you want about my former fiance. <laughs> but but it's inappropriate. Yeah, you don't say that about somebody else's wife, especially on a podcast. You just say she's a very lovely woman. Well, first of all, I'd be. I'd be very surprised if uh, uh, Craig Bowl was listening to this, but she is a very well, lovely woman. She's very you, know, lovely. you know, I mean, that's like that's like um, Donald Trump ripping on, you know, um, what's his face, his wife, Ted Cruz's wife. It's no, just it's not. No, it's not. He talked about what a dog Ted Cruz's wife is. I'm giving. I'm going to say what a compliment. This is a compliment. Nothing oh, like God. Ted Cruz. Now I now I know why all those radio stations fired you. Let me ask let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, okay? All right. What would you say about Donald Trump's wife? Uh she's a very lovely woman. <laughs> what would I, you say? What would you say about the pictures of Donald Trump's wife naked with another woman? On the cover of uh, the New York Post. Uh-huh. You know, what do you say about that? I haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. <laughs> on the cover of the New York Post, and on and on page thirty-two of Vanity Fair, that picture. Yeah, I I'm more curious to find out if she was a legal immigrant working in New York, because she was an immigrant taking a job from an American model, and why there wasn't an uproar there. Okay, let's talk about that. The the stunt that Ron DeSantis and the Texas governor that these guys are doing, what do you make of that? Well, first of all, I I missed it the first go around because I was took those two days off moving, but apparently Ron DeSantis took sent a plane to Texas, picked found some immigrants in Texas, yeah, and then flew them to to Martha's Vineyard. They weren't even in Florida. No, and I allegedly lied to them about what they were going to do and where they were going, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, here, here's 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 what I think. All joking aside, um, I, the immigration debate in this country is a joke. Yes. Um, we clearly have issues we have to solve, and we need two parties to sit down and hammer out a solution because we have people. Who were not? We have droves of people that the system can't handle knocking on our door legally to come in, and then we process them and let them free to roam around our country and say, "Come back in six months when your court date is up." That makes no sense. That is, but that's the law. And then, so now you have these people in this country here have some type of legal status, and then they're half in and half out, and that's no way to run a country. Well, first of all. Your facts are somewhat wrong here because uh, I have a very, very good friend who actually happens to be an immigration judge. And it's not six months. Well, it could be a it's, year, two years. It's more months. like two years. It's more like two okay. years. But but here's the thing. The vast, vast, vast majority of those people show up when they're supposed to. No, I understand. I'm yeah, not, no, I'm I mean, not, yeah, these, yeah. These, okay. And, and and they say, they say, oh, you know, the argument, they say, Oh, open borders. Biden has open borders. No, he doesn't. He's arresting millions of people and sending them back, right? These are the ones that come through. That, the, by the way, those immigrants that they sent to Martha's Vineyard and to Chicago and to uh, they were here legally. House, they're here legally. Right. 
Those are legally here. Those are legal immigrants. They're here as seeking asylum. Now the courts have to decide whether or not their claim is valid, and a lot of these claims aren't valid. All right, but but we don't have enough. We don't have enough judges in the immigration system. We don't have enough uh, courts to take care of it. And and a lot of these judges, by the way, these judges are civil servants, and a lot of these judges have been in the system for a long time. So they got all sorts of off time accrued. So, you know, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think it worked, but, but, you know, they got a lot of free time. No, no, I, no, I get that. But I mean, but I mean, clearly we have, we have a problem in this country because we don't have enough workers and we have enough doctors. We have enough lawyers. We have enough accountants. We have enough left-handed pitchers. We have enough kickers, um, right? We have enough soccer players that why do we bring in coders from India? And then people say, oh, merit-based. Those are the ones taking American jobs. We don't let in the migrant workers who can work landscaping, who can work in meatpacking plants. Those are the jobs we actually need. And so I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. If those immigrants that Ron DeSantis sent to Martha's Vineyard, if they could throw 98 miles an hour from the left side, they would be in, you know, they'd be in, in some type of major league camp. And the rest of them are all vilified. So we cheer the ones who can play on Saturday and Sunday, but but not the rest of them. And lastly, I, 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 I just say this. Shame on Ron DeSantis. You know, do unto the least, do to the least of me, or do what? Do to me what you do to the least of me. Whatever and, you do to the least of my brother, you do unto me. Is the Bible you. quote you're trying to... Uh, well, you're oh, you're much more religious than I am. The point is this. Um, I, I, I think it's I think it's shameful. And it's embarrassing. And as a country, we are better than that. I, I, I want to comment on what you just said. First of all, you are wrong. We don't have enough left-handed pitchers. Okay? We, we need more left-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball. No, no, no. No, we don't. We have plenty in the minor leagues. And they're Americans. We don't need to be shipping them in from, you know. But anyway, but, 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 but. Uh, everything you just said, I think it's true. The Republicans don't want to solve the problem. I talked about this. I, I did a I did a Beckett's Beat commentary, which you can see online at Fox 42, uh, kptm.com. I did a Beckett's Beat commentary on this where I just said, okay, Ron DeSantis, we get it. We see your point. Now what? What are you going to do now? Okay, and these stunts are nice and everything. What are you going to do? I agree. They don't want to solve it. But I... But I went and I, I said that. Basically, the gist of it is like, okay, we get it. Well, you've made your point. Now what? And like the first message I get in the morning on, you know, check uh, my social media is calling me a, uh, a leftist, liberal, illegal, immigrant-loving piece of shit. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you know, I try to explain this. I know these people are here legally. They're not here illegally, I, you know, but they don't want to hear it. No, no, no. Run the emotion, and these politicians can get more mileage out of stoking the uh, flames of fear than they can in actually solving the problem. The fact that DACA is not codified into law, even with a Democrat president, House and Senate, DACA is not codified into law. Are you are you freaking kidding me? Like seventy five percent of Americans want that codified into law. Were yeah, but they can't. Uh, it's 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 they would you know look. The last time immigration reform happened was in Ronald Reagan. That was 40 years ago, 35 years ago. Yeah, It's a new world. And I'm not, look, I, I'm not being some lily, you know, left-leaning liberal. 
I'm saying, let's sit down and talk to the businesses and figure out what the businesses need. Mm-hmm. Because those are the ones, right? We need workers. Let's figure out what type of workers we need and allow them to come into the country so they can, um, so we so we know who's in the country, so we can give them papers, so they can go to work. So businesses don't have to be the front line of the whole immigration. Why does a landscaper trying to eke out a living, why does he have to be the front line on the whole immigration thing? He's a small business guy. Leave that guy alone. Let him run his business and give him some workers. Yeah. No, I, well, you know, because, uh, and ironically, ironically, a lot of people that are most against the illegal immigrants are like packing farmers in uh, farmers and, and counties where they have packing plants and stuff, you know, where they need the workers. But anyway, that's just, yeah, I, that, that to me, it just makes no sense whatsoever. But anyway, uh, anyway, in 100 years, we'll all be dead. It won't matter. How's that, right. for, how's that for an optimistic point of view? 100 years from now, it'll be like 300 degrees in the shade. <laughs> in December. Yeah, God love it. All right, are we done? <laughs> well, I guess if you don't have anything else to be contrarian about, I guess you might be. <laughs> I'm contrarian about this podcast. Uh... All right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, my friend. Uh, okay, be well, and, uh, you know, tell Emerson I said hello, and uh, I will uh, I will talk to you later. Um, yes, my girl. Bye-bye. And adios to you, muchacho. Yes, he had sort of touched Oh, him. I see what you Yeah, 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 you liberal. Adios. Later. Huda Media Production.